everyone. Welcome to the Yale Vascular Review. This is the pilot episode of our podcast. My name is Ocean. I'm a PGY4 vascular surgery resident at Yale. And my name is Kayuri, and I am a fourth-year medical student at Yale. This podcast is an exciting collaboration between the Yale Integrated Vascular Surgery Residency Program and the Yale School of Medicine's Vascular and Endovascular Surgery Student Interest Group. Ocean, why don't you tell us what this podcast is about and what we are hoping to bring to our listeners? Thanks, Kiri. Absolutely. So we hope to use this podcast as a platform to provide quick and comprehensive summaries of some high-impact research papers published recently, and we will be selecting a different topic every month. And we want to reach out to all the wonderful vascular friends and colleagues out there. That sounds amazing. We also hope that this content will reach any medical students interested in pursuing surgery and provide them with a glimpse into the groundbreaking research taking place in the vascular surgery field. But before we start, we want to thank Dr. Raul Guzman. He's the Division Chief of Vascular Surgery at Yale. He's our faculty mentor for this project and has provided invaluable support and guidance. This would not have been possible without him. So thank you very much, Dr. Guzman. We appreciate everything you do for us. So Curie, what are we discussing today? Yeah, so this month we will be highlighting recent papers on thoracic and thoracoabdominal aneurysms published within the last eight to 10 weeks in either the Journal of Vascular Surgery, the Annals of Vascular Surgery, and the European Journal of Vascular and Endovascular Surgery. That sounds great. So this month, 18 papers looked at thoracic and thoracoabdominal aneurysms. Eight papers discussed branched endovascular aortic repair, five covered aortic dissections, one discussed blunt traumatic aortic injury, and one paper looked at the impact of COVID-19 pandemic on thoracic aortic disease and interventions. So let's get started. This first paper from the Journal of Vascular Surgery titled, Fenestrated Branch Endovascular Aortic Repair is a Safe and Effective Option for Octogenarians in Treating Complex Aortic Aneurysm Compared with Non-Octogenarians. This was a retrospective cohort study published by Dr. Farber and Dr. Odorich's group on behalf of the United States Aortic Research Consortium. They analyzed the outcomes of fenestrated branched endovascular aortic repair, or FBVARs, in octogenarians. They reviewed 893 patients with pararenal or extent 1 to 5 thoracoabdominal aneurysms from six prospective physician-sponsored IDE studies from 2012 to 2018. Out of 893 patients, 195 were octogenarians. The technical success rate was 99% for octogenarians and 97% for non-octogenarians. The 30-day mortality rate was 0.5% for octogenarians and 1.3% for the non-octogenarians. They looked at major adverse events, type 1 and 3 endoleak, access complications, and length of stay, and found that it was similar between both the groups. In conclusion, they found that FBVAR was safe and effective with nearly identical early outcomes in octogenarians in these experienced aortic centers. One limitation they described is that more extensive clinical experience and longer follow-up is needed to better describe factors impacting long-term mortality. This next one, also from the Journal of Vascular Surgery, was published by Dr. Piazza's group from Padua University, Italy. 
The title of this paper is Effect of Branch Length in Tortuosity on the Outcomes of Branched Endovascular Repair of Thoracoabdominal Aneurysms Using Self-Expandable Bridging Stent Graft. This was a single-center retrospective study where they looked at data from 32 patients who underwent BVARs for thoracoabdominal aneurysm repairs from 2015 to 2019. A covered, self-expanding bridging stent was used in all cases. Intraop reinforcement with an additional bare metal stent was performed in about 69% of cases. 3D reconstructions of the first postoperative CT angiograms were then used to measure branch total length, vertical length, and tortuosity index. The overall freedom from branch instability at three years was 88%. They showed that the minimal risk of branch instability was achieved with a branch total length of 60 to 100 millimeters and a branch vertical length of 25 to 50 millimeters. A tortuosity index of more than 1.15 was a predictor of branch complications. They concluded that branch length and tortuosity index seemed to play an important role in BVAR outcomes and should be considered during planning and implantation. Thanks, Ocean. And speaking of oceans, let's move across the Atlantic to the European Journal of Vascular and Endovascular Surgery. Nice one. So Dr. Degrange group from Henry Mondor University Hospital in France published this retrospective single center study titled Initial Results of Antigrade Laser Fenestrations Using Image Fusion Guidance and Company Manufactured Stent Graphs in Complex Aortic Aneurysm Repair. And they aim to describe initial outcomes of physician-modified stent grafts using an antigrade laser fenestration and image fusion guidance, or LEVAR, and company-manufactured custom-made CM stent grafts in complex aortic aneurysms. 100 patients deemed unfit for open repair were included in this study. The cohort included 22 LEVAR and 78 custom-made stent grafts. The estimated overall survival at one year was 91% in both groups. The freedom from reintervention rate at one year was 58% in the LEVAR group versus 87% in the custom-made group. The target vessel patency rates at one year were 95% in both groups. So they concluded that in high-risk patients deemed unfit for open repair, LEVAR may provide satisfactory 12-month overall survival and target vessel patency rates. Though reported intraoperative adverse events, mortality, and reintervention rates were high and may require close and extensive follow-up. The next paper from the Annals of Vascular Surgery titled Hospitalization Cost and In-Hospital Outcomes Following Type B Thoracic Aortic Dissection Repair was by Dr. Mollis's group from the University of California, San Diego. They conducted a retrospective review of the premier healthcare database between 2009 and 2015 to identify patients who underwent open surgical repair, or TVAR, for type B aortic dissection. They found that out of 1,752 patients with type B aortic dissection, about 54% underwent open surgical repair and 45% underwent TVAR. Intrahospital adverse event rates were 78.6% for the open surgical repair group compared to 43.1% for the TVAR group. After adjusting for confounders, the open surgical repair group was associated with a five-fold increase in intrahospital adverse events and a three-fold increase in in-hospital mortality. The total cost was significantly higher among patients undergoing open surgical repair versus TVAR. The authors concluded that TVAR presents an advantage in terms of morbidity, mortality, and cost compared to open surgical repair.
This next paper from the Journal of Vascular Surgery titled Effect of Aortic Angulation on the Outcomes of Fenestrated Branched Endovascular Aortic Repair was published by Dr. Ojerich and Dr. DiMartino's group at the Mayo Clinic. They retrospectively reviewed 298 patients treated for about 100 pararenal aortic aneurysms, 200 thoracoabdominal aortic aneurysms, with over 1,100 renal mesenteric vessels incorporated from 2013 to 2018. The infrarenal, suprarenal, and supraceliac aortic angles were measured on 3D reconstructions of the preoperative CTAs. They found that fenestrated branched endovascular repairs can achieve excellent early and midterm results among patients with an aortic angulation of more than 45 degrees, with no increase in rates of graft-related complications. The suprarenal aortic angle was the most important determinant of more target vessel events independent of the stent design or which bridging stent was being selected. This next JVS paper comes from the Stanford University. Authors include Dr. Cheng and Dr. Halan. The paper is titled, Respiratory-Induced Changes in Renovisceral Branch Vessel Morphology After Fenestrated Thoracoabdominal Aneurysm Repair with the B-Graft Balloon Expandable Covered Stent. They prospectively recruited patients treated with a custom-made Zenith fenestrated endograft and Bentley B-graft peripheral stents. The pre- and post-operative aortic and branch contours were segmented from CTAs that were performed during inspiratory and expiratory breath holds and then were analyzed during symvascular software. Renovisceral vessel geometry was evaluated in 12 patients with a total of 46 target vessels. Implantation of the B-graft as bridging stents in FIVAR was associated with decreased respiratory-induced deformation in the renal branch takeoff angulation and mean renal artery curvature, with reduced maximum curvature bending in the SMA compared with the preoperative anatomy. However, B-graft allowed for celiac and renal bending similar to the native preoperative state. So in conclusion, the authors suggest that the use of B-graft peripheral stents with FIVARs closely mimic the native arterial branch geometry and vessel conformability caused by relatively aggressive respiratory motion. Continuing with the theme of complex aneurysm repair, this next study comes from the Aldo Moro University of Bari School of Medicine in Italy by Dr. Pulley's group titled Preliminary Results from a Multicenter Italian Registry on the Use of a New Branch Device for the Treatment of Thoracoabdominal Aortic Aneurysms. This was a multicenter retrospective observational cohort study that included 16 patients treated with the new Colt branched endograft from 2018 to 2019. 97% of the visceral vessels, which is a total of 62 of the 64 vessels, were stented. Technical success was achieved in 87.5% of cases, and the cumulative aorta-related mortality rate was 19%. Primary bridging stent patency was 98%. The graph-related outcomes at early follow-up included an absence of threatening endoleaks and a high target vessel patency. They concluded that while 19% mortality is quite high, it is tolerable in such a high-risk cohort. Of note, their high-risk cohort had a median age of 72.5 years, and the Euroscore prediction for mortality was calculated at 18% for this group. 
This next paper from the Annals of Vascular Surgery was titled Prediction of Distal Aortic Enlargement After Proximal Repair of Aortic Dissection Using Machine Learning. In this study, Dr. Fu's group at Zhongshan Hospital in Shanghai, China, aimed to construct a risk prediction model for distal aortic enlargement in patients with type B aortic dissection treated with proximal TVAR. From 2010 to 2016, 503 patients were retrospectively analyzed. Machine learning algorithms were applied to build risk prediction models. Approximately 21% of these patients were identified as having distal aortic enlargement, and about 14% were found to have distal aortic aneurysm formation. The logistic regression model performed the best in predicting distal aortic enlargement with the highest sensitivity of about 97%. The best model for predicting distal aortic aneurysm formation was the artificial neutral network model, which yielded a specificity of 79%. They concluded that machine learning approaches can produce accurate predictions of distal aortic enlargement after proximal repair of type B aortic dissection, which potentially benefits subsequent management. Going back to the Journal of Vascular Surgery, this next paper comes from Dr. Shanzer's group at the University of Massachusetts. The paper was titled, Preoperative functional status predicts two-year mortality in patients undergoing fenestrated or branched endovascular aneurysm repair. They sought to identify the preoperative predictors of two-year survival for patients undergoing FEVARs or BVARs. They assessed 44 preoperative patient characteristics. They categorized their patients as totally dependent, partially dependent, or independent based on preoperative functional status. Of the 256 patients they reviewed who underwent FEVARs or BVARs, the two-year mortality rate was about 18%. The traditional risk factors were not independently significant, perhaps reflecting the high prevalence of severe chronic illnesses in these high-risk patients. For patients undergoing FEVARs or BVARs, decreased preoperative functional status was the strongest predictor of two-year mortality with the totally dependent patients experiencing poor survival. For the independent patients, the two-year FEVAR or BVAR survival rate was 89%, which was equivalent to patient survival after an infrarenal EVAR. They concluded that it would be reasonable to expand the indication of FEVAR and BVAR to low-risk patients who were preoperatively independent. Wow, these are some interesting papers. Yeah, and we have a few more of these, so let's continue. The next paper is from Annals of Vascular Surgery. It's uh, published by Dr. Fazzini's group at Franziskus Hospital from Germany. The title of the paper is Preliminary Clinical and Radiologic Outcome of Matched Patients with Thoracoabdominal Aortic Aneurysms Treated with Low-Profile versus Standard-Profile Branched Aortic Endografts. The study was done between 2016 and 2020. 225 consecutive patients with thoracoabdominal aneurysms were treated with BVARs. 24 patients who were treated with a low-profile stent graft were compared with patients who received standard-profile stent grafts as a control group. After a median follow-up of more than 20 months, there was no significant difference found in terms of technical success, which was 100% in both groups. Late mortality was 4.2% in the low-profile stent graft group versus 0% in the standard-profile stent graft. Aneurysm diameter increase were 4.2% in both groups, and re-intervention rate was 25% in the low-profile group versus 37.5% in 
Standard Profile Group. Radiological analysis of the aortic graft-free modeling showed no fracture, migration, shortening, scoliosis, and lordosis of the low-profile stent grafts compared to the standard profiles after two years. This study provides a preliminary evidence of safety and efficacy of low-profile branched endografts. Let's travel a bit further from our last stop in Germany to Japan to look at this study by Dr. Hoshina and Dr. Komori from the Nagoya University School of Medicine. This paper in the Journal of Vascular Surgery titled Effect of the Urgency and Landing Zone on Rates of In-Hospital Death, Stroke, and Paraplegia After Thoracic Endovascular Aortic Repair in Japan used data from the Japanese Committee for Stent Graft Management's National Registry to determine generalized community experience with TVARs done for aneurysms and dissections from 2005 to 2015. The cases were categorized as elective, urgent, which is within 24 hours after admission, or emergent, which is immediately after admission. Urgency was strongly associated with mortality, stroke, and paraplegia. They found that the more proximal the landing zone is, which is zones 0, 1, and 2, the greater the risk of stroke. And the longer the coverage, that is six or more zones, the greater the risk of paraplegia. The classification of these cases into urgent and emergent successfully stratified the population in the long-term overall survival analysis. They concluded that identifying these risk factors will help operators of TVAR develop appropriate operative strategies to mitigate patient risk. The next study was published by Dr. Makalowski's group at University of Bern in Switzerland in the Annals of Vascular Surgery. This was titled, Efficacy and Safety of Heparinization Before Deployment of Endograft for Blunt Traumatic Aortic Injury in Severely Injured Patients. The retrospective analysis looked at 36 patients treated with TVAR for blunt traumatic aortic injury between 2005 and 2018. Intra-op heparin administration was recorded in 83% of patients. Mean dose of heparin was around 5,000 units. No bleeding or thromboembolic complication requiring reintervention occurred in any patient during 30-day follow-up. They concluded that systemic heparinization in different doses during TVAR for blunt traumatic aortic injury can be safe with no intraoperative bleeding or thromboembolic complications in the early postoperative period. And that concludes our first episode. Links to all the papers we mentioned can be found in the description below. We thank you all for joining us on this academic trip around the globe and we apologize if we mispronounced any names. We look forward to hearing your comments and feedback and hope that you will share this resource with your colleagues and friends. We would love to hear your thoughts on what topic you would like us to cover for the upcoming months. Follow us on Yale Vascular Surgery's Twitter for updates and subscribe to our podcast, Yale Vascular Review, on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. If you like, share, comment, or subscribe, we will be drawing one name for a special gift every episode. We hope to have you all back and listening next month. Until then, keep holding pressure. And Kiyuri, don't let go of the wire.